It's show 48 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Jeff Hamra of Titan Data Safe in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We'll also get you caught up in the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Rumors are floating that O'Neill is about to launch another version upgrade to their software. They keep doing that, you know. Second one this year, I think. That's pretty amazing stuff. But you don't say you heard it here. In fact, it's probably best that you don't say anything about it at all. You can learn more about O'Neill at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, I'm ready. How about you? Let's go to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. Let's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yeah, it's me. I'm here. How are you? Hope you're doing well. I'm tired. I am just uh, completely bushed. There are so many cool things happening here at Flourish Press. Business is hopping. Life's going fast. Uh, lots of show stuff in the air. I'm starting to think I should take a vacation, and I think I probably will in a couple of weeks. But I've, you know, so many cool things happening. But that doesn't mean that there are not going to be great shows coming to you every single week. And today's no exception. Jeff Hamra is on the show today. Well, he's both a rancher and a data protection expert with an amazing business in Tulsa. And I think he's got a great story. So I'm going to be chatting with him shortly. And you know what? We're going to check out the latest industry news, if there is any, in a couple of minutes. And as luck would have it, the one and only Ben Stiller is in the studio today. He drove down from L.A. this morning to hang out with us here in the uh, studio at the Rim Pro Report. Ben, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm so glad you could stop by and visit us. I know you. Hmm? You know you. Yeah. And I know you know that I know you. Well, yeah, I'm sorry you know me, uh, I know me, and yes, I know who you are, but I know you know that I don't know you personally. That's great. Go ahead, make your jokes, mister. Jokey. Joke maker. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, no jokes uh, there, but yes, officially we know each other now. So uh, when did you know you wanted to be an actor? Hmm. I guess it would have to be the first time I went through the second grade. I caught my reflection in a spoon while I was eating my cereal, and I remember thinking, wow, you're ridiculously good looking. So, yeah, well, that, that's a good age to figure that out. Uh, how did you become so incredibly successful? I eat success for breakfast with skim milk. <laughs> success for breakfast. So, uh, what do you eat for lunch? I got protein paste, carb laxative, oh, suffocated kumquat perhaps. Suff what suffocated kumquat? So that's how celebrities stay fit these days. Success for breakfast and carb laxative for lunch? Yeah, you know, in some cultures they only eat vomit. Hmm? I've never been there, but I read about it in a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've also read that drinking blood is a ritual in some cultures. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. Yeah, well, good thing we live in America. Touche. So, Ben, I, I'm a little curious. You're an amazing actor. You're a father, a husband. What else do you do? 
a Yagoogalizer. You're a Yagoogalizer? Well, what's a Yagoogalizer? One who speaks at funerals. Yeah, I would have never guessed that you were a Yagoogalizer. Or did you think I'd be too stupid to know what a Yagoogly was? No, I didn't think you were too stupid, but it is a little random, isn't it? It seems just kind of over the top. Well, all right. Well, glad you could hang out. I've got to get to the industry news. Thanks for explaining all this, the, you know, global diets and you googly and, uh, you know, ultimately for everything else you bring. Well, I can be naughty too. Real freaking naughty. No, no, freaking naughty isn't, isn't appropriate. I just got to get to the news. Hang on a second. Here we go. Well, like I said, uh, freaking you Googleizer. No, uh, it's summer and the news is a little light. But here are some details that I've discovered this week to keep you in the loop, lest you be unaware. So Restore PLC, we've talked about them before. They're in the UK. They're pleased to announce the acquisition of management archives of Leeds, which just was completed last week. Management Archives was founded in 1990, document storage company with a diverse range of customers, predominantly in the northeast of England. Uh, management Archives was purchased for cash, 725,000 pounds. Management Archives recorded operating profit of almost 400,000 pounds before rental costs on revenues of 737 and a half thousand British pounds. So uh, yeah, that's a nice little acquisition there. The acquisition represents another step in restores data management activities across the UK. Uh, it was a few months ago we talked about them acquiring sergeants. And so they seem to be really on a, a tear in the growth that they're doing across all of the UK. Hey, Nade learned last week that the U.S. General Services Administration will soon issue a revised destruction spec that is not focused on particle size. In fact, as Nade recommended apparently to them, particle size is not specified at all, though the GSA has not released the actual language at this point. Uh, Nade sources report that the new spec will simply instruct the agent to the agency to select a particle size that meets their needs to reasonably make sure the media cannot be read or reconstructed. GSA's previous specification was completely focused on an unnecessarily small particle size, with no reference or requirement on the to the other related security issues. Fortunately, in accordance with Nade's suggestion, the new spec is reported to be more focused on the service provider's overall security processes and procedures. Reportedly, the new GSA specification for destruction of paper records will be published within a week or two. So congratulations to uh, Nade for really working that to uh, support all of us. Hey, Kodak and Formetica, which is a leading provider of leading cloud software as service clinical integration platforms, today announced teaming up to help hospitals and physicians efficiently digitize clinical data. The solution helps healthcare providers achieve a consistently complete EHR, electronic health record, uh, and facilitates the health information exchange, and by doing so, qualifies for financial incentives for meaningful use. Their combined solution offers an accessible alternative for providers who are unable to invest in costly HR systems or still demand paper at some level. And I, I guess I'm telling you this one because as many of you in this industry are, are working, are trying to jump into scanning and get involved in that, 
you got to know that the Kodaks of the world are out trying to do it too with with big money and big resources behind them. And one of the, the advantages you have is to to really be that local presence. You're, you're more than just, uh, you know, a global enterprise. You, you have this opportunity to, to sell some really cool solutions if you're in the scanning side of the business. So uh, be aware of the big stuff that's happening all around you. Hey, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, big name, has warned 34,000 customers that their addresses, account, and tax ID numbers and other data, including social security numbers for some, may have been stolen. Um, This comes from credit.com. The data was reportedly on two CD-ROM disks that were password protected but were not encrypted. Uh, according to two letters Morgan Stanley sent to customers on June 24th. The package containing the CDs was intact when it arrived at the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance, but the CDs were missing when the package arrived at the desk of its intended recipient, Jim Wiggins, a Morgan Stanley Smith Barney spokesperson told Credit.com. The state notified Morgan Stanley uh, Smith Barney about the missing CDs on June 8th. After a two-week investigation, the brokerage firm then notified customers and offered to pay for a year of credit monitoring service to customers who received letters warning that their social security numbers were among the data. So it just keeps happening. And the more you can keep reminding people that they have to have a way to protect themselves, the better you'll be. So, hey, you know what? That's it for the news. I'm not a whole lot this week. Hopefully you've got some news that you can share with me. And if you're off at the cottage or relaxing for the summer, I realize that, you know, you might have none yourself. But if you got any, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Hey, I'm going to get Jeff Hammer on the line. Give me a second. I will get him lined up and we're going to talk to him shortly. Hang on a second. Jeff Hammer is the owner of Titan Data Safe in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jeff has been in the RIM industry a long time, and he's conferences uh, on a regular basis. And I think he's got a cool story, and I really wanted to get him on the show. So uh, I got him on the line. Jeff, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Tom. How you doing? Hey, good. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, rumor has it it's warm where you are. <laughs> if that's called warm, we're cooking chickens every day down here. Yeah, it's... Uh... We're looking at the good hundred degree plus marks every day. Ouch! Ouch! I I hope you're climate controlled in your building. <laughs> More so than ever. Well, I I'm I'm I've always wanted to talk to you because you and I have chatted many times uh, outside of this. You know, this we've chatted at many conferences, hung out together, and uh, I I think you got a great story to tell. So let, let's go back to the very beginning. Tell me your story about how you actually got in the rim service business. Uh, early on, you you know you go to university, and then what happens? Well, I did my college thing, and and while I was in college, at first I uh, I was going to take construction because my father had been in it. So uh, one day I kind of realized that my dad was smarter than the professors I was talking to. So I decided I'd get out, and I got into the construction business for uh, for about 20 years. One day while I was sitting around the TV, watching TV late at night, and I was yeah. watching a show on imaging, and it just struck me so cool to see that you could put all this paper, you know, like a file cabinet on one little CD. And I thought to myself, the future is there, and that's where the future is. So when I started checking out the industry, I got into selling services and how to get in the imaging business and all that. And I remember I'd been um, confronted by a 
uh, a person who wanted to sell a storage facility because my family owned a mini storage. Yeah. And I looked at it, you know, um, it was a high security, uh, like a bank vault on steroids. Right. Put it that way. So um, after I got all interested, I remembered that building being for sale. So I came back uh, to town after some conferences uh, that I'd gone to. And I checked on the gentleman. The building was still for sale. I started making a proposal, and I ended up buying the business from the gentleman. And at that time, he had a small little section or area that he did tape storage. Yeah. So, you know, knowing that I needed to expand on the tape storage because that's how I was going to introduce my other services, which was uh, scanning and all that stuff, back in the mid-'90s, that was 96 when I bought the facility. Wow. That... uh, I wanted to add this as a service to the record storage. Well, uh, the building I bought, I forgot to mention, um, it was half full of safety deposit boxes. The gentleman I bought the building from thought he was going to be the Walmart of safety deposit boxes. Oh, uh, yeah, those were those were kind of a thing for a while, weren't they? They were kind of scattered around the country. Yeah, private security boxes so you didn't have to go to the bank. You know, the IRS didn't know about you, all that privacy right. seeker stuff. Right. So, you know... I didn't really want to do that part. That wasn't what I was doing. But I started working on the tape storage, expanding the tape storage, getting in new customers. And in the next three years, I picked up some very big clients um, uh, through that. And I saw it was time that, you know, after a few years, I need to get rid of these safety deposit boxes. They were causing me too many pains for what they did. So in 2000, I did get rid of all the safety deposit boxes. And we expanded more of our tape storage, um, added new features. And in 2001, we um, decided something I had seen for quite a long time was the online backup. And, of course, early on, it was just seemed like it was impossible, something to me that could be done. So, so hang, hang on a second. Let me just – so you're, you, you buy this in 96. It's full of safety deposit boxes, mm-hmm. uh, and you've got tape in the back. But you go, I'm going to start selling tape how did you get to that point where you, you went, I, how did you even know what to do? I mean, I know you're an incredibly intelligent guy and, but sometimes this, the switch from being in the construction field and, and, you know, even self storage and some of those things, where, where did you get the sort of the, the knowledge base that you felt like you could do it or, or did you do like the rest of us? You just went out and assumed you could figure this one out. Well, you assumed that at first, right? (laughs) I assumed that at first, and I found out later that's not what it was. <laughs> but I've got to say, Prism was the greatest thing since sliced bread. To really? Me. I mean, i, I got to say, there's great people. I'd known Jim, Jim before he was at Prism. He was at Arma. Right. And I had met Jim Booth through my Arma association. And um, then Jim moved over there, and I remember going to one of the Arma conferences and found out about Prism. Actually, it was uh, on the old name, you know, yeah. before. And um, so I got interested, and I joined that in 96. And as I went along, I saw one of the first failures that the company had here, and that was we didn't have a tape management system. You know, we had these slots, and it always drove me crazy because we kept all these empty slots for tapes that they may never come back. But mm-hmm. I kept them open. Right. And so one of the first things I figured out is i got to find a tape management system. So in about 97, late 97, um, I bought a tape management system which managed filing my tapes, and I could do things that no one else could do. And, in fact, my competition was far enough back. They weren't into tape management systems. So were you barcoding at that point already? We started barcoding, yes, in 97. Okay. Or 98 when we got that system. 
and we had to put barcodes on it. And so we worked and, you know, started getting barcodes. I was able to compress all my storage down, take on more customers. And then as I started going to the industry and going to the conferences, I found out about mobile carriages where I could stack all these tapes into one little area. Right. You know, it was through going to the PRISM conferences month, year after year, oh, and cool. reading the articles that I learned about things I did not know of that other guys were already doing in our industry. Wow. You know, so that was a huge help. And in fact, in 99, with our tape management, because I had an IT girl who worked for me, which in whole, uh, tape management, you don't see a lot of the IT. You see somebody who's good, but I had a girl who actually graduated with an IT degree who worked for me. Um, we worked with other company, our vendor, to produce the first web-accessible tape management system, I think, that was in the world. Wow. And we were live and hot. In other words, our customers could get online, and that was so uh, out in the future in 99 that they could get online, see where all their tapes were, find out where they were every day, what moved, what hadn't moved, the records and all that stuff, and it, it, it won me several major accounts. So you were, you were, you were uh, out there selling, selling stuff to big companies that didn't even know this existed in reality. I mean, oh, yeah. And, and that blew them away. In fact... As one, well, the <laughs> failed WorldCom yeah. was one of my customers, and they said by me coming, them becoming uh, one of my customers and them using that system was a quantum leap for them in their tape management. Wow. And I'll never forget the guy said, he says, there's not even a decision to be made. And so we helped with them and worked hard on the tape storage, as I said, for years and advancing its technology. So I was into the tech stuff. You know, I always yeah. knew that, these dang things called computers could do something for me besides, uh, you know, looking at the Internet. Right. So, you know, we went on with doing that, and then uh, once I saw that growing so fast, I knew I had to get rid of the safety deposit boxes right. to make space to do my tape storage. So you you blew all those out. What, did you sell that business, or there was no business no, really anyways? It was just one of those people who thought that those boxes had great value, only to find out later that <laughs> uh, I got scrap iron for it. Right, okay. You know, there wasn't a big uh, market to buy them. Thanks, yeah. buy new ones from the actual manufacturers. Right. They don't really like buying used boxes. So we got the space out. I added more tape storage. But at the same time, I had in the back of my head a little desire that I always wanted to do something a little bit different, watching mock recoveries go on and companies trying to do the recoveries and shipping the tapes and doing all this stuff. Something got in the way, and that was logistics so often tapes going one way, the people going another place, the computers are another place, and when they come back and say, how'd it go? They go, not too good. And I'd ask why, and a lot of times I heard logistic problems got in the way. Hmm. The tapes didn't get there. This happened, that happened. And I always thought to myself, why don't you do your recovery where your data is? And one of the things that would make that possible would be like the online backup. So in 2001, I started the implementation of having, adding a data center to my facility, alternate workstations, shared alternate workstations, and we brought on the service of online backup hmm. in 2001. Wow. So at that time, I could offer a whole new gamut of services to my existing customers. And one of the things that surprised me that took off the fastest was the alternate workstations. Companies back in 2001 um, were looking for places where they could do recovery for their local people. Right. And we sold out all of our workstation possibilities. In other words, uh, you can sell them a couple times. We sold them out uh, 
before in about a matter of two years I was completely booked on our workstation. Our data center started taking on a few customers and eventually we have filled up our data center that we have with our workstation. The probably the toughest to do at first in two thousand one was the online backup. Hmm. You know, people just didn't believe uh you could back up a computer that way. Yeah. Well, because it was so so ahead of its time in a way. Hmm. You know, I know uh, Ray Ganong was doing some of that stuff with, with his company at that point. Right, and Ray's one of the very first people I met at a PRISM conference down in San Antonio. They yeah. Had. And that's what got me all excited, but I knew the bandwidth wasn't there. And I had Ray come to Tulsa to speak to uh, our Association of Contingency Planners that I was a local chapter of, in the local chapter. And I remember, I'll never forget the question. When do you think people will do, you know, when do you think people will start doing this? He says when they trust it enough, you know, when they start trusting enough or whenever, and Ray said when the bandwidth is there. Right. And they said, you don't think it's the trust factor? And Ray fired back and he says, do you use your credit card online? And almost everybody shook their head yes. And he goes, then you trust it already. Yeah. Yeah. And so I knew it was the trust and it was the bandwidth. It was a big deal because back then, if you remember, um, an ISDN was a heck of a pipeline. Oh, yeah. You know, nowadays we scoff at such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the cost was expensive. And the first five years of online backup was a was a struggle. Was um, convincing people. There were those few people out there that are already, always early goers that understand the technology and buy into it. Right. And we had those first few. But uh, it was a lot of education that was going on for the first five, six, seven years. People had never heard of it. I spoke at association meetings, conferences. I spoke every chance I could to educate people what was going on in the industry and that there was this service out there, hmm. which was good. It came on, and to uh, to my admission, um, the Carbonites, the Moseys, the national advertised ones we hear about on yeah. radio, TV, and magazines, have been good for our industry, for, uh, for the online backup industry, right. for the simple fact that... Uh, it made people hear it over and over again. It's one of those things they start to realize this is just a normal service that everybody uses and accepts it, and it does have the technologies there, and it's an acceptable methodology of backing up computers and things of that nowadays. Yeah, and at the same time, the pipeline, uh, the the bandwidth had grown significantly during that that time frame. So the, those big national guys are coming on talking about a lot more, making it a more a part of how people thought, but the bandwidth support of that was also increasing dramatically. Oh, the two things that have helped our industry. Number one is the bandwidth. Yeah. And then the second one is disk space has come down immensely. Right. So when I first started in 2001, $50 a gig that was it was fifty dollars a gig. Fifty a gig, and now companies are giving away two, five, ten gigs for free. for free, just to get people in the door. Yeah, yeah. So you know, those were the two big major major hurdles, and we had always told our customers, if the price comes down, your price will lower, and they like that. And I've had customers, their data has grown from when we first started with them, like everybody else's yeah. data, but the price reduced almost at the same rate. Were some lots of my early come. Uh, customers that had large amounts of data. You know, I had a, a hospital that was a paperless that started with us in 2002. And as their data has grown, the price has dropped at the same rate where they're paying almost the same price they were paying in 2002. Wow. That's cool. So, you know, as one goes up, the other one's coming down, and they almost 
they stay even all the time. So you get rid of all the safety deposit boxes, you sell more tapes, and you get involved in online backup, and this whole thing's growing and expanding. Um, what then? What's happening then? Well, in 2007, my personal deal is, yes, I was doing tape storage, but um, I decided to get out of the tape storage business and just concentrate on disaster recovery, business continuity, online backup, and the um, data center of co-location space. And so I uh, put out for bid uh, our tape storage side of the business, not buying the facility, but just uh, buying the storage by customers in their right. storage. And we did end up selling out to Iron Mountain, who was a successful bidder on our uh, offering. And, um, of course, did that all through with help of other people through PRISM, um, not PRISM, but some of our members of PRISM yeah. helps you which is great to have those resources there. So, but, but that decision to do that, uh, was that predicated on really seeing the power of the, of the, um, you know, the co-location and, and the disaster recovery space, uh, desk, well, desk space, or was it just, you were, you were that, that part of the business seemed like, or were you already seeing writing on the wall for yourself? Well, I don't know how to say this nicely. I was getting cherry-picked to death. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Iron Mountain, as we all know, and I'm not picking on Iron Mountain, they were good in marketing and sales. And one of the things that started back in about 2005 was Iron Mountain's push to get all their accounts nationalized. Right, right. And they started to make, well, when you talk about like WorldCom, they've got offices all over the country. The next thing you know, I lose my account to Iron Mountain because I cannot sign a national contract right. with them. Right. Same with a couple other customers, and because I had all the most the majority of the large companies in our, my area, that I was the one who was getting picked on the worst. And I saw that I was losing that. You know, I'd lost two of my very big major customers, and I really had fallen in love a lot with the disaster recovery business continuity industry. Okay. Um, I had a great desire for that industry. It was something that I found very exciting to me. Yeah. And I decided, you know, um, I'll just sell out and get away from that end, get away from the tape storage and pursue something that really, you know, really made my, gets my heart beating hard. And that, so there was that. And I, I, you know, I saw lots of value in what the future was bringing. Online had finally become um, a reality and was now becoming easier to sell. Hmm. It was something that I could start making a living off of. We're the first several years, and you can find this from most, any guys that are in industry. Man, those first, you know, uh, several years in the early 2000s, up to about 2007, it was a tough way to make a living. Yeah, you guys were slugging it out. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. So, you know, I saw that change, and I decided I was going to go for disaster recovery, do the online backup and stuff, um, and just go in more into that. We've filled up a data center. We're trying to build another data center um, right now um, and trying to keep moving forward in that industry. So tell me where the current business is now. Where's uh, Titan Data Save? What are all the components of the current business? Well, we're still doing pretty much the same services of the business continuity, disaster recovery, uh, co-location, and workstations. But one of the things that has really changed in the last two years um, is, as we keep hearing, cloud computing. Yeah. And that is becoming a big thing. And why I say that is one of the things we couldn't do before as a small shop is I could not be 
a SunGuard or an IBM and offer the real, truly disaster recovery. I could drop ship some equipment into my facility. Right. But I didn't have, you know, a warehouse full of servers and everything else that the big boys have. Right. Well, with the VMware, invent of the VMware and yeah. the VM centers and cloud computing, putting a cloud system together, now we have the ability to do the restores here at our facility without having to own tons of hardware. Oh, wow. So what's changed is, and, and, and what I've heard here lately from two or three of my customers, is we have some government regulations coming down that we've got to prove restorability. Before, when we hold the tapes, yes, we store your data here. The auditors come out. They see that the tape is secured. But the problem was when it comes to grabbing that tape, popping it back into a computer and doing a restore, we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. With the cloud service, we know the data integrity is already good. You can't guarantee that on the tape like you can on a spinning disk. So with the virtual system, I can take that now. I can restore the person's system and verify and show them whenever they need for auditors or just for their own peace of mind. We can do a complete restore of their system and show them their data is there and here it is. Wow. And that's totally different from... That's something you can't do with just the tape itself or a USB or any other type of device. You have to have that, and companies cannot afford to buy a duplicate system or to have big contracts with SunGuard, IBM, and the big boys. They, the small, medium-sized business needs another route to find, and that's where we find a great niche for ourselves and all the other people, I think, in our industry of online backup are finding a great niche there. Yeah, because it's different than the big guys, and it's different than the Moseys and what you're hearing. You know, you see right. on online in the national, the the big national uh, marketing groups. It's that real niche space. So you're going in and basically selling the ability to uh, to not just back up your data, but but the ability to restore. To restore, and that's a big, huge selling point. Oh, it's um, huge. That you can't do otherwise. We can go in there with our virtual system, and we can tell them, we'll do a complete, once we have all your stuff backed up, we'll do a restore and show you that it's all restorable. Then the proof's in the pudding. Right. So when the auditors or the CEO or someone else in the company or a government agency walks up, we can prove it to them that it's all restorable data, and that's a big, huge um plus asset to that company to be able to do that now. And I think we're going to see that become more and more evident with regulations and yeah. stuff to prove, you know, it was, first of all, you had to prove you were doing your backups. Now they want to see that the backups are restorable. So right. it's a big niche, and with the small, medium-sized businesses, we're swamped with uh, new customers and new things we're offering, stuff like that. So you, you have, uh, a, I, I think, historically... A, at least in the last couple of conferences, it sounds like you've actually been trying to help other people with this too. It sounds like, yeah, with um, the software company that we work with, we try to help other people in Prism yeah. get into this business because it's very difficult. Oh yeah, um, when you don't know to get in, because I I've been through the ropes back and forth. You know, we do a deal where we <clears throat> offer the tech support and assist with some of the marketing of anybody who wants to get in the business, huh. and by doing that. Um, they don't have to hire a full-time techie. Now, if they want to, uh, some of the people we've worked with already, they eventually decided that they wanted to be in the business full-time, and they went and got their training after they'd been with us for a while, and we part ways. They go on their way into their own business, managing it all themselves. If not, 
we help them manage till they can get up on their feet. So what we're doing is we're giving them the ability to crawl at first. Oh, that's cool. Before they got to get up and run and then, you know, walk and then run. So you're you're essentially just sort of a, a stepping stone for small small um not necessarily small rim companies, but companies who want to get in this in a small way and test it out. And I know based on knowing you long enough, you've had so much experience with all that can go wrong that you've figured out how to make this go right. So um, that that's what's somewhat appealing about at least having a conversation with you about it if if that's something that people are interested in. But yeah, I, I see, I continue to see this in the work we do and the work we do with clients. The, the uh, online, the online, um, disaster recovery stuff continues to grow in its capacity, the cloud stuff, but you got to know how to do it right. You can, you can kill years and years of, of time just trying to get into it and not knowing the direction to take. So, yes, I, there's lots of, you don't want to go the wrong direction, waste too much time, too much money, and you can be out of business before you recoup from it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we help that and we're helping lots of businesses and we just see it growing every day. You know, and I will say, I've said it before at the conferences, most of these people are not people who did tape storage. These are almost all these new companies out there that have finally taken off-site seriously, but they don't want to get into the whole gamut of the tapes and the rotations, and they just go straight into this. Wow. And are you only, are you, pro, I, I know you help. Uh, other rim companies or other companies wanted to get in, but are, are, is your primary client base in your backyard in Tulsa? Yes. Okay. So I've it's... always said disaster recovery and backup has to be local. Yes, there's guys that are doing it nationally, but they're losing out and they'll continue to lose out to the local vendor because I can offer things that the guy in California cannot offer to somebody in Oklahoma and same with other places. They can offer some things. But they cannot do the whole picture. And I think, you know, in our association, a lot of guys have great facilities. They can offer, add these uh, services on in our industry. I have no problem consulting with anybody just to help them out to figure out what they got to do. But you can add some workstations or some co-location, some things like that, as well as the online backup and expand the services they're offering to their customers. Um, get in there and get some more market share and if they get on the online backup, they can offer a whole new service to customers that they have, as well as all the new potential customers. I mean, I get to make about two to three, maybe even some weeks, I'll have six, seven calls of people that I've got to go call on, and I never had that kind of ratio of tape storage interest that yeah. you have with yeah. the online back, that you do with the online backup. Well, t- online is just so logical for people now, given that we all live in a, a completely connected world. It just, it's a logical thing. It goes back to what you and Ray Ganong talked about early on. Uh, it's not necessarily a trust issue. It's, it's, you know, people are already predisposed, but now it's just so prevalent that it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it does. And, and it will be local. I mean, the first guys are starting out with, there are the big guys that do the, the Moseys and, and all yeah. that, Carbonites. But when you talk to a company that's serious about their data, they're not going to those guys. They're coming to us, and they're working out issues with us that they've got to get over, regulations, things of that nature, and we're able to help solve them. And it stays local just like the tapes stay local. Yeah, very cool. Wow, very cool. What a, what a great story. So any any um, advice that you would have for people listening? Because I, I, 
I, I've always appreciated your perspective on things and, uh, from the perspective of, of cloud and backup and disaster recovery and restorability and all that in terms of this business, people listening are from the rim industry, the rim related industry. What advice would you give them? Well, whatever you do in the industry, check it out very well. Find other vendors that the company may have that they hear their testimonials from people that are using their services. I do like the idea of ownership. Um, just like I liked my tape ownership, I was able to sell that to Iron Mountain. I don't want to be so much a reseller as I want to be the owner of the system. Yeah. Um, I think there's great value that you're going to grow that, and you can sell that just like I sold my tape storage one day. Hmm. And so I think that's one of the things. And make proof in the pudding. Make them show you that it does these things, and go talk to their customers, and just check it out. Do your homework real well uh, in advance. Don't just do a knee-jerk, uh, but check it out. Make sure you feel comfortable with it, and make sure you got uh, a little bit of time. It takes a little while to get started, but uh, I see it faster and faster happening for everyone that's getting in the business. It used to take quite a few years now. In a year's time, a guy can be up and running pretty good in the sure. online backup business. Very cool. Hey, well, thanks for spending the time with us. I, I realize we've, we, no we can c quickly consume 30 minutes, but before, before I let you go, a couple of quick, quick questions. I always like asking interesting questions. Uh, okay. I know you're a part-time rancher, but if you were, uh, stranded on a desert Island instead of on your ranch and you could only have one piece of music with you, one CD, one album, one cassette, one eight track, what's the album that you're going to take with you? Oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't need the perfect name, but is there a, a singer? Is there a you know someone that just you know no matter the what the artist who I would listen to the most? I don't know. Someone probably nobody knows hears a lot about Leon Russell's one of them. Oh yeah, Leon Russell, nice. He, I grew up with him. You know, he was an old Tulsa boy. Yeah, and uh, I always loved his music. Cool. If uh, you magically had a free day tomorrow, and I know free days for you are, are few and far between, but if you had a free day tomorrow, what would you do with it? Uh, cruise around the Greek islands. You'd, you'd take your private jet and just cruise around the Greek islands for a day. Yeah, I'd just go hang around the Greek <laughs> islands. I think it's just part of the world that I just love every time I go there. Best best place for hunting ever in the history of, of your your years. Best place. Uh, Oklahoma. Really? Very cool. Well, I've hunted here most, but yeah, I'll, I, I've had good times all the central part of the United States, you know, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas. Very cool. Good places. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate your input and your years of slugging it out in this business, and you've got some really cool stuff to, to show for it. So congratulations, and thanks for talking to us today. Uh -huh. Thank you. Well, there you have it. There you have it. That's um, that's really good stuff, and I, I'm grateful for Jeff spending the time with us. I think that point about uh, all data protection is local. Uh, all all you know the the advantage of being local is so powerful that that I hope you didn't miss that one point. So thanks again to for listening this week. It was uh, great to have you aboard, and you know thanks to Ben Stiller for being in the house and hanging out with us. Don't forget about setup. That's where you can do like different kinds of setup oriented type things like setting things up. 
and all that stuff. Right. Okay, Ben, Ben, we're not setting up now. We're done. We're complete. And uh, ultimately, thanks for being here. The show is over. You know, as we finish the show, let me remind you that this show is sponsored by, you know, those people at O'Neill Software, those incredibly cool people who are making great software, doing great stuff. They got technical support. They got customer service that you can count on. They keep rolling out new new service offerings, new updates to their products. And they're all over the place. The Americas, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, as well as Asia Pacific. So if you're interested in talking to them, you can learn more about them and how to get a hold of them at O'Neillsoft.com. Well, that's it for us. Another great show. Look forward to talking to you next week. Have a good one. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.